Welcome to the Total Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Paul, Episode 1. The goal of the podcast is to provide an outlet for people that want to learn more about photography, modeling, pageant, acting, and videography. Each week, we will bring on an expert guest to talk about how they started and how they achieved their goals in their field. Now that you know all about our podcast, let's join our guest. My guest today is Taylor with The Wink. Hi, Taylor. How's it going, everybody? Have hey, Paul. How's it going? It, thanks, thanks for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm very honored to be here. Oh, thank you. So Taylor is an expert videographer, and he's had the opportunity to work with a lot of amazing clients and has had the opportunity to work with some big um, development houses, such as Fox News and Discovery. Is that correct? Yep. So in the last couple of years here in D.C., I had the opportunity to be an editor with Fox News Channel and also PBS, uh, as well as National Geographic for a short time and Discovery Channel for a short time. Well, we definitely want to talk about that, but let's uh, let's start from the beginning. So um, okay. from a videography perspective, um, perspective um, how did you get your start? Did um, you've always been to videography or, or video or were you more into photography originally? Like, how, how did you get your start? I think when I was growing up, I was really into telling stories and I was, I had a vivid imagination from what my parents liked to tell me. Um, when they watched my videos, they liked to tell me that I was a kid with this crazy imagination that could go pretty much anywhere. And I used to draw cartoons and I used to write short little stories that had some, you know, crazy action sequences, kind of like James Bond. Um, okay. It was it was always some, you know, guy saving some kind of girl from some. Some more like hero type. Yeah, the hero type. And are uh, they stick? Know, as, as are they stick kid. figures? Or are you kind of trying um, to like be the, more detailed? The cartoons. Yeah, the cartoons I was drawing were were kind of like, those were usually more. Um, th- there were less action figures. And those are more like just like sci-fi kind of things going on. That's um, cool. Yeah, and but the stories, the little short stories I wrote were were much more hero related and probably came from the movies I was watching. And what would that be? Well, how old are you right now? I'm 27. I just turned 27 on New Year's Eve. So you're a 90s baby, right? Correct. 90, okay, 90. so I guess that would be your. I guess your your action man would be Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, to the Terminator, something like that. That's probably the you know the hero. Um, and when I was growing up, you know, I wasn't really allowed to watch James Bond because he was the older group um, for me, and that's why I was you know sneaking that with my friends, playing James Bond and watching James Bond when I wasn't allowed, like supposed to be. And that's probably where I got some of my hero. Uh, references of you know because I have a, a short story of this this guy like climbing off of a helicopter and landing on a car and doing all that stuff that James Bond might do um, but that's where my storytelling came from is is the love of you know the movies and like the, the kind of the hero saving somebody and then the love of storytelling I guess one day um, when I found my parents camera um, what type of camera was it, that? So I I saw my parents' camera, and 
It was a PowerShot SD450. Okay. So, um, you know, a good starter, right? It's it's probably the most basic camera right, that you can right. find so on the it, market. They probably don't even sell it anymore. But it, it is... Like, the iPhone is probably better than this camera. Um, and that was just because it wasn't even an interest in cameras that started it. It was just... The, the idea that it wasn't something that I was supposed to have. It was my it was my parents' camera that they would take, like, the family pictures for. And I was like, oh, that looks like fun to play with. So when I grabbed it and I started playing with it, it was just – it was almost intuitive to play around with it. And it felt – you know, I because I played around with video games and all the likes of video games and stuff. And it just felt like – it felt like almost like a video game. Because when I learned how to take pictures and then press the play button and see the picture that I had just taken, I started getting ideas of, of what I could do with it. And, and and my creativity from the storytelling and comic books started coming to play. And I started trying to make short little videos. Um, but the memory card was so small that I had to record you know five-second videos and, and then import them and delete them and now, do it again. When you were making those short videos, were you doing the James Bond going back to when you were a young child or were you doing right, something? I was trying to, I think, I think I had um, gotten some influence from the Jackass series from Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O and Bam Margera and all them. Cause I was doing, you know, flips off my bed, stuff like that. Um, I wasn't necessarily saving any kind of damsel in distress, but I was doing some sort of, you know, acrobatic hero type flip or, cartwheel or something like that like down the stairs or doing something that took only a few seconds but might have been inter interesting enough to watch you know it's always interesting to hear how people get their start so it, uh, here's a question so you mentioned then that uh the the icon of james bond so who's your favorite james bond then well i grew up with pierce brosnan as my james bond like that was the one that what I wasn't allowed to watch because he was, well, I should say James Bond is overly sexualized, but Pierce Brosnan was the first James Bond that I saw that, that when I, he was the one that showed me that, that helped me realize that, you know, like the James Bond, like gets the girl that he saves and like, so the, he's the like one in your stories then, or our character probably, like that probably, tall and skinny, right? Like tall and like, you know, like, um, I don't know if attractive is the word, but like socially, socially acceptable, like attractively, <laughs> like what, you know, what society would consider to be attractive um, because he was in the movies and that's what the, that's what society bases their standards off of usually. Um, man so, in the like, hour, right? Yeah. The man, the man that, you know, the walks in the room and, and everyone turns and wonders who that is. And that's, that was who I grew up with. Pierce Brosnan. Um, I forget who was before him, and I honestly forget who was after him. Um, but he was he was the one that I was when I was sneaking the James Bond movies and games. He was the one that it was it was built after. Um, and and then you transitioned into like the Jackass kind of guys, more even right. crazier. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you if if let's say like you know James Bond became a member of Jackass, that's kind of that's kind of like the, the mindset I was going for. It's kind and of I a good doing, concept if you think about it. He's got all the gadgets and he's going to crash into a building. So. Right, yeah. If, if anybody would be on the, um, a good uh, Jackass member, it would probably be 007. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree with that. 
<laughs> um, and so I don't think I necessarily took on the 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 hero character in my videos or my stories that I was that I was making with my friends or anything. But I I definitely had that in the back of my mind was um, that somebody in my videos was like the the hero per se. So at this point, when you're you're making you so you're using this simple parents camera, you just, you like kind of stole it, um, but borrowed it. Let's see, we let's go right. borrow. Um, <laughs> so what what's that? That's like twelve fifteen. Um, probably yeah. I was probably twelve years old, maybe fifteen at the oldest. Okay, and at this point, you're making those little uh, short, you know, uh, two minute clips, right? Yeah, I was making the same thing that you'd make these days on Snapchat. Like you'd record like a five second, ten second video of your your friend, like you know, running off of something and then falling into something else, or you know, just like silly videos that like that you know, like if you're 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 filming, you know, John do this funny thing that you know that Matt's gonna like, um, and so you just film it for John and you send it to Matt, and then nowadays you get the instant gratification because they open the Snapchat and they're like, oh, that was really funny. Thanks for sending it to me. But back then. The reason I got into editing was because when I filmed a video, I then had to learn how do I get how do I get my friends to see this. I mean, that's a good that's a good reason why you need to learn how to do that, right? Exactly. It was it, it builds that skill. Main... It's building that skill that you know you you want your content to be seen. So now you have to learn how to to do the legwork. Exactly, and this is before content was even considered content. This is this is back before YouTube was even started because I started uploading my videos to a website called Putfile, p u t f i l e dot com. Now are they still around? Because I I don't I don't I even don't know about so. them. That I don't think they're around anymore because you can search my name on Putfile was ADHD underscore overdose. Um, because I had ADHD. Um. Well, you know, they're always they're, they're the way back, uh, the way back machine. You can always pull that stuff up. So there's got to be. Oh, yeah, it's possible. There's got to be some archive probably. somewhere. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully it's all appropriate if it's if it's if someone can pull it up because that, that stuff was kind of silly. It was just me doing silly stuff in my room. But um, now so you were saying you, you, you were saying about the reason why you had it named that. So. The reason why. Yeah, you were. You said that specifically the reason why you had um, your name uh, marked is because you you had disability. So the ADHD. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I had ADD, but nowadays people just call it ADHD. Um, anyway, so that was that was just, that was my name on on Putfile. If you if you are interested in it for some reason in finding it but um anyways yeah my videos originally i would put i was putting on put file and then i was i was taught about youtube through a friend and that's when like learning about youtube was was how my production quality increased from using my parents camera that i borrowed um and then uh, I upgraded, and they, con they, I convinced them to get me a nicer camera. Um, and then it's all kind of, 
I guess, uphill or downhill from there. Um, because the more, the more they supported me, the more interested I got. Um, so when they did, when they do your upgrade, are you now in high school? Because so you're doing the jackass stuff, and you said twelve. So are you? Right. So then I then I graduated middle school, and I got, I'm in high school, and that's kind of around the time that they realized this is a little bit more than just something that I was I was just doing for fun. Um, and so I started turning into like a little bit more than a hobby. I was I was trying to you know I was getting my friends involved. I was learning new skills in order to like do more interesting stuff and they they saw me taking a liking to it so i started going to you know film camps during the summer and stuff like that um and then that's when they decided to like upgrade my equipment into <clears throat> this is called a it's also a canon this is called a zr850 um so it took this was this was the, the upgrade or I guess it was a downgrade but in my head it was an upgrade because um, it was a it was they took v, mini DV tapes. Um, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So it, so it was a it was a real it it was a video camera at this point. It wasn't a DSLR. Right, the camera previous to that I was using. That had SD capabilities. Okay. And then I and then I got the new camera, and I think I got the new camera because of the. It was a. It must have been a better camera at the time, but uh, it was a mini mini DV tapes, and I got Final Cut Pro, in order to. Uh, increase my production value. Okay. Uh, so was that like Final Cut Eight at that point? I think so. Yeah, Final Cut Seven, even. There's, there is no eight. It's seven. Oh, it's seven. And then okay. X. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was Final Cut 7 is the one that I started on, and that's the one I learned on. And <laughs> I probably made two to 3,000 videos with Final Cut Pro. Um, because before that, I was just using Windows Movie Maker, and I probably made about 10,000 on Windows Movie Maker. But they were extremely short videos. I think everyone got their start on Windows Movie Maker. Yeah, exactly. I was making like the equivalent of a Snapchat per whatever, per five minutes, ten minutes. Um, except it took a lot more time back then to make a five-second video. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. and at the time, the um, the mini DV tapes were superior to SD just because they didn't have a standard format for um, compression yet. So it, it was a better. You were capturing a higher quality. So, you probably were right buying the mini tape. Yeah, at the time it was an upgrade in like quality because for a lot of reasons that I'm not going to be able to explain off the top of my head. One take, one minute from Taylor and talk about our sponsor of the week, which is Mid Atlantic Video and Photography Productions. Mid Atlantic Video and Photography Productions is a one man shop. Not only do they do photography, but they also do videography. So from weddings to professional headshots to pageants to wedding videographies, they are the team that can get the job done. You should reach out to Paul at 410-258-3832, or you can go to their website with the letters mavpp.com. Again, that's mavpp.com. 
Now let's go right back to Taylor and his great interview. So you had mentioned that your parents sent you to a videography camp um, before you oh, left okay. high school. So mm-hmm. well, what experience was that one like? Because I've never had that before. That sounds like pretty cool. I went to a, um, this camp a few times, two or three times, called Maine Media Workshop. And it's up in Maine, obviously. Um, and what you do is, I, I mean, I signed up specifically for, like, the editing classes. I went the first time. I I believe I went the first time for, like, the beginner editor, um, et cetera. Um, but then I went back for intermediate. I think I went back for expert at some point or advanced, whatever you want to call it. But it's kind of just, a, you know, a um, a place where you can really focus on what it is that you enjoy doing. Like if you were to go, you know, to like a volleyball camp, um, but it was for film. And uh, then I went to, I went also went to this uh, camp at Stanford University, which is a little bit more specialized. Um, the camps are hard to remember because they were so long ago, to be honest, but I had a great time. I would definitely recommend um, any type of, specialized camp to any type of creative person that that doesn't feel comfortable going to um just like a camp where you're just going to run around doing whatever you feel like doing um but you know the, the specialized camps i went to were great and i had a great time and i'm still friends with the people i met um however many years ago do you think you're in a better spot because you had that experience in that camp definitely Definitely, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely better off in my creative, professional, lifestyle, um, having gone to film camps in the past because, of, just learning how to like network. Um, that's that's not really the main reason, but that's like one of the most c- common themes, from, the lifestyle I live, uh, as a freelancer, I because I would I would love to you know, have a full-time creative job for someone. But the lifestyle I've lived over the past few years is the lifestyle of a freelancer. And um, I've learned a lot of that. I've learned, I've learned a lot of skills that attribute to being a freelancer through, you know, going to film camp and um, – and just learning how, like, teaching myself how to edit, for example, in order to get my stories out there. And these are not mandatory things. Um, if if a film camp doesn't interest you as a filmmaker, then there's there's plenty of other ways. Um, but as a filmmaker, um, I've been to film camps, and I can say that they were interesting <clears throat> if you if you go if you attend them with an open mind. Well, either way, fundamentals are really important. So if they they really taught you how to really do some basic editing and then also communicate and uh, really network, I mean, those are things that no classroom's going to teach you. And it's, I mean, and if you got that from just going to camp, I mean, that that's way biggest endorsement that I can't. I mean, I I can't. I mean, I agree with you. There's no other better way to to get that experience. Right. So, you graduated now. When I graduated back in two thousand, my school they made you graduate in certain categories. So, when you graduate, did did your school 
have you graduate into a certain category? I, I mean, am I film school? Well, you, just no general your general school that you graduated high school from. I, I did I didn't uh, know if you were going to school, and you took a track in actual videography or or editing or so that that's what the so base of the question was. The, when I went to high school, I went to an all boys private Catholic school. It wasn't very. I kind of had I had definitely <clears throat> I had definitely found my my love for film before going to high school. Um, it, but it was my love for film hadn't really blossomed into my only passion in high school. Um, that kind of started probably like sophomore, junior year. Um, but there was no real reason for it. It was just, it was just the, the amount of years that had elapsed, um, from doing the same thing for so long. But when I, when I first got to high school freshman year, I was doing a lot of videos and I was creating a lot of content for YouTube specifically, but no one was supporting me on YouTube. They were just, I was getting a lot of support as a filmmaker, but I wasn't getting <clears throat> necessarily the same support <laughs> uh, for being a YouTuber that I do now, um, which is a whole nother story. Um, and I'm jumping ahead a lot, but well, it's your story. You can jump around. I'm just, uh, want to hit all the bullet points. So, right. So when I was, when I, when I first got into high school and I was uploading on YouTube. I didn't necessarily want many people to know because there was no term such as a YouTuber, and you know there was the I was the the 15 year old kid that wanted to be a YouTuber um, 10 years ago, uh, and now every 10 year old kid wants to be a YouTuber, and I think that's amazing, but it's also unfortunate because like now it's just as rare as becoming a celebrity. Well, I agree with you. I mean, anyone can make a video, but being well known is a big challenge. I mean, that I mean that that's what everyone strives to do. I mean, I think anyone wants to make a living at what they do. So, that's absolutely correct. So, in high school, you know, it's blossoming. Are are you still doing your small videos, or are you working on a bigger project, or have you have you made a bigger project in high school, or is you just kind of you just going through high school and then? So I think in high school, <clears throat> most of my projects were short form based, so anywhere from you know two to five minutes. Um, and the longer form videos I was doing were more kind of contract based because I started being a freelancer pretty much as soon as I started learning how to edit because um, there were people around me that were taking a notice based just based on the the, the mere um, quantity of content I was putting out at, in the age I was. So in high um, school, you, you had paid work. Or, or you at least yeah, had, you it, had it or freelance work, right? Exactly. I was, I was a paid freelancer, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't an amount that I was, you know, I couldn't talk about in the, in an interview per se. But it's yeah, something, I mean, right? Was, it's something. Yeah, I mean, I was, it, it was at, um that when I was a kid and I was getting paid to do something that I 
considered to be just a hobby. That was that. That was when my dad realized that I needed to be pushed more than I was pushing myself, um, like in a mentor kind of way. So he is the one that upgraded me from the, the Canon, uh, what is it, ZR850, I think it was. Um, and then he got me, oh man, it's over here. He got me a Canon GYHM100U, I think it is. So we went from the, the went from the, the the tapes now to another camera. This is the right back to this is back to SD quality. Okay, but so you're H- on your third camera. SD SD tape quality, but HD film quality. So okay. I went from the mini DV tapes back to it was a handy cam. I went to a camcorder with like two SD card slots. Um, and it it looked more professional. I had like a shotgun mic and everything. So you're on your third camera. Dad's totally in on this. You're getting paid work. So you're still in high school. So I mean, some people just mow grass and get paid. You're you're doing videos. Uh, at fifteen, yeah, sixteen, so seventeen—that's pretty cool. You know that the videos that I was getting paid for uh, were kind of like people that were asking me to do a favor for them and and do this or that and the video came out really well but they were definitely getting you know a bargain deal based on my age my skill level my experience and whatever and what i thought i could charge um so i was charging you know fifty dollars for a video that today i would definitely charge you know 500 for um but that's that's one of the things that that before even before that i was editing videos for free um, and the person didn't even offer to pay me because they didn't even think that I wanted to be paid for it. And that's because I found something that I could do for, for fun that eventually I did, like I now do for money, but that's because other people want to pay me for it. I mean, that's, that's the that's living you know that's the goal in life right you do something you love and you get paid for it i mean i i can't it doesn't necessarily just happen from the fact that i'm good at it because you can do something like i could pick up something tonight and be good at it but that doesn't mean that people someone should pay me the same amount that someone else that's good at it um gets paid um because i mean the reason i the reason i ask for a certain amount um, or my freelancer rates is mainly because I know how to treat a client. Uh, I know what a I know what a freelance client would want because I've been doing it since I was a kid. <laughs> um, Literally, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so my freelance rates for you know a video are significantly different from my freelance rates as a photographer, and that's because I I never really took a took a focus on photography until recently um because again it's been i probably i probably had that canon g oh sorry excuse me it wasn't a canon it was a jbc jbc gyhm100u whatever it was the one that the upgraded version from the second camera i had so my my third camera was upgraded in january or excuse me it was december of 2017 um and my dad got me a new camera because I kind of mentioned that I wanted to get into photography and 
pick a focus on photography and learn more about it. So when he upgraded my camera from the one I had for 10 years and used every day to this new camera that had a photography option, that's when I started taking more focus on photography and uh, learning a lot more about lenses and all that because I had actually gone to school for photography. I just never really taken an, um, an interest or focus in it because I was a self-prescribed video editor and didn't really need the photography lifestyle. Yeah, but isn't that what most people are when they're, when they're in that specialty? You know, I, I know everything. I'm so special, you know. I mean, I think most people, you know, we get kind of opinionated about how much we know our equipment, you know. Our equipment's so special. I have every single lens, you know. So, I mean, I think that's just normal. Yeah, I agree. All right, so you've graduated high school, and you, you just mentioned. So you where, where did you go to college? I went to Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida. Oh, that's awesome. And that if some of our clients uh, are a guest, haven't heard of this university. Um, it's a huge facility in Orlando. Uh, WIF does their pre-recordings at that facility, and they have uh, – sets and they have all this cool equipment so i mean what a great place to go to college so tell us about that experience um well my college experience now that i'm done with it and i've successfully completed the program i can say it was an amazing experience i learned a lot i learned a lot more than i thought i'd ever learn and I enjoyed being pushed past my limit when it came to my passion. Um, but that's a good reason as to why other people were not able to graduate. And a lot of people, they go to full sale, unfortunately don't graduate because they push you past what your limit. I believe they push you past your limits uh, creatively, and a lot of people don't necessarily want to be pushed creatively um, because they believe that your creativity is, you know, sacred, which is understandable. Um, but my creativity is furthered significantly by other people challenging me to do something, or even if it's a joke, someone saying, you know, you need to do better or you need to get better at doing this, or if they're just challenging me to, to do something because they know that challenging me will increase my potential, then, like, that's better than any other kind of compliment. So Full Sail, I, I believe Full Sail really, really pushes you past your limit of what you believe you can do, and then even more so. Um, but once you graduate and you get a job and you realize that, that that was just their way of teaching you what the real life is about. You know, it's 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 a great place to kind of grow up. So did you did you go to Orlando or did you do online courses? How did that yeah, work? Yeah, I went I went to Orlando. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. I had my own apartment. Uh made a lot of friends that I'm still friends with today. Um and you know, Orlando is a little dangerous, but if you were, if you have, you know, your wits about you, and you had some common sense, you'd be fine. Oh yeah, well, 
any major city. I mean, Orlando's definitely a large, large city. I mean, it's got the largest um, music parts in the entire country. So, I mean, it's going to draw a huge amount of people. So, um, so graduated from Full Sail University. They basically did the military. They broke you down, and then they built you back up and made you into a great videographer and editor. So now you you come back to D.C., is that right? Well, after I graduated from Full Sail, I was offered a position with Universal Studios Orlando, Florida to be a video editor, and I happily accepted. And... I was I was hired for a four month internship, um, and I impressed them to the point of um, extending that to an eight month internship. Um, but at the end of the eight month internship, I realized I wasn't I was no longer being pushed much, um, and I decided to um, they, well we we mutually decided to end the internship um, after eight months. And, and and what was your role there? It's it uh, first of all, it sounds like for a while there it was a great experience. Oh yeah, it was the coolest thing ever to come straight out of college and have a, a paid internship in the same city and state was fantastic, and especially at a cool place like Orlando, Florida, the the theme park. So I got free access to the theme park. I could bring friends whenever I wanted. I got to film the, the theme park, um, and there was really like perks galore. Um, um, there wasn't really no downside to it except the fact that I, I, I don't thrive well when, um, excuse me, I, I don't, I don't, I don't thrive when I'm forced to create like something out of the, the something new, new every day out of the same thing. You want to be challenged. You you don't want to be in a rut and do the same thing over and over. I totally understand. Yeah, the the the, the challenge was amazing for the first four months, and then I think I think I realized after the four months that I I was gonna have to push myself to create something to impress them within the next four months. Um, and it was an amazing place, Orlando, Orlando, the uh, the Universal Studios, Orlando, Orlando theme parks. It was a great, amazing place. I would go there all the time. But there's only so much you can film <laughs> in my in my in my time there. Um, so yeah, the, so the end, the internship ended, and I came home to Virginia um, just to live with my parents for a short time. Um, and I ended up deciding that New York might have been a better chance for me to get work as a filmmaker. But having only spent a month, I spent a month there, and I did some work with some studios around town in New York. But I was offered a internship. Sorry, I was offered an interview. <clears throat> After my time in New York, I got a call and I got an interview at Discovery Channel in Washington D.C. Realistically, it was it was Silver Springs, Maryland, but compared to New York and D.C., it's you know Silver Spring is pretty much D.C. So I came down. I worked for Discovery Channel for around nine months I don't remember exactly the amount of time but it was a great experience I worked on shows like Shark Week 
Uh, I worked on shows like Hoarding Buried Alive. I worked on shows like The Explosion. They changed the name so many times. I'm not really sure what the actual name is. I mean, everyone knows Shark Week and Buried Alive. I mean, those are are two series, so... Right there was like, yeah, exactly. oh, that's cool. Right there. <laughs> um, so, so those were my, you know, those are my two favorite uh, shows to work on. Um, and, and and for people that want to go into video editing and um, editing for a corporation like that, a, a, um, a studio, um, what, what type of environment is it really professional? Like, like it. Someone who who's in high school that that wants to work for that type of industry, like what type of environment? Well, I can I can say that the environment at Discovery is much like any other environment in, in the production world, and that they're professional, but they also make interesting the entertainment. So they aren't going to work in a suit and tie. And my boss was almost never in a suit and tie. Um, I might have been sometimes, but if I was in a suit and tie, it was because I had something to do before or after work that required a suit and tie. Um, And that's not to say that Discovery Channel does not condone suit and tie, but they create entertainment. They create entertaining content and that also shows when you go to work because the people there are entertaining and they have interesting creative mindsets that don't usually they don't usually mold with the professional creativity world so typically uh it was everyone was kind of laid back but at the same time they were very professional because they are doing what they love for a living and that's very motivating and it's very inspirational. And it, it kind of, if it's the thing that wakes you up in the morning, then, you know, if you look good, you feel good. And if you think that you look good in a hoodie and jeans, then wear that. And if you look good and you feel good, then you're probably going to perform well. I mean, it sounds like the like ideal place to work, you know, yeah, it, give you it, it, opportunity to be creative and, being in a casual environment and it doesn't, I don't hear you talking about any stress or. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a stressful environment to create creative, interesting entertainment for a national broadcast, but I didn't have, it wasn't my job to make this show from start to finish. I was just an assistant editor. Um, so but you're part of a team, so the team. Of course, of course. So it was it was stressful to make sure that I did my job correctly. But but it wasn't it wasn't that that I was stressed to do my job correctly. It was just a stress that you know when you're doing something that you see as entertaining, you got to make sure that it's enter- that it's also entertaining to more than just you, and that's that can be stressful. No, well, I. I absolutely agree. And then, so from Discovery Channel, once my job, once my contract ended, I got a call from National Geographic. And they 
said kind of in short that they heard my contract was ending soon at Discovery and they needed an editor on a new show <clears throat> called Star Talk. I didn't they didn't tell me much more than that, but they asked if I wanted to come on for two months and I told them yes and I told them like when I could start and they agreed. So I finished off my job at Discovery Channel and then I went over to to National Geographic and I started the show Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye the Science Guy. Wow. Um it's his podcast it's Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast that's turned into a TV show and they filmed it like a talking head podcast but with a you know, with like a studio and in in a in studio audience that was pretty cool. Okay. Um they put some production level into that though. Right. I was only fortunate enough to work on season one, but it was nominated for whatever awards the TV Tonys? No. Emmys? No. Emmys. I'm not really sure. I think I think I it's Emmy. Okay, I forget off the top of my head. I, I should know that. I am the yeah, host of the show. I should, I should know that. I should know too. <laughs> That's one of those things that I was gonna, you know, be prepared about. But um, <laughs> yeah. So Star Talk was nominated for a TV award show, and I did. It didn't win an award, but um. But nomi- getting was, nominated is a is a, is is one big step. So right, it, exactly. So when my when my contract ended at National Geographic, uh, I got another call from from Discovery Channel saying, "Hey, I heard your contract is ending soon. We need a editor," and they had a different department that needed an editor and called the International Media Logistics. And I was, in short, I was re-editing shows that had already broadcast on TV, like Naked and Afraid. For example, I would watch Naked and Afraid that was broadcast to America, and I would take out extra parts that wouldn't be allowed to be broadcast in places like Africa, or okay. South Africa, or Germany, or you know any other kind of European place. Are you doing voiceovers too? Or are you just doing... Um, I was just... Right, I was just doing edits. Um, so, for example... Maybe in Europe, um, on a show like Naked and Afraid, if they kill a cow, which I don't think they do, but let's just say for this example, they kill a cow. That's not allowed in Asia, or some European countries are not allowed to kill cows because they're sacred. So I would have to either find a way to show that scene without any kind of blood, to portray the fact that it was not being killed or just take it out altogether and find a way to incorporate some other kind of scene for the length of time that I had to remove the cow scene, things like that. So it wasn't anything too drastic. But 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 that's interesting because... Of course. I mean, as Americans, we are so centric on, on how Americans see stuff, but any other culture around the world, they don't see things the same way. So we totally have to alter it. I mean, if we're going to show it in their country, we have to abide by their rules and their culture and their um, just general um, how they believe. So, I mean, for for them to pay you just to alter something that's already been previously aired to do that, that's 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 a great job. 
because you're just doing minor edits because it's ready. But, you know, it's also really fascinating, too, because you it sounds like you, you, you kept that knowledge. So, you know, all these really interesting facts about these these countries that have these certain um, rules and it's cultures. Strange broadcast laws. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like I now understand why in Family Guy, when they make reference to a religious character, they have to show that religious character on screen um, as if they were, instead of making a sarcastic joke in reference to this religious character, the character on screen was really just referring to the character on the screen, if that makes any sense. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah, because otherwise they have uh, to cut it out. And that's right. And that's, that's something I learned through working for Discovery, which is kind of strange. But then after Discovery Channel, after, sorry, returning to Discovery Channel, I left Discovery Channel and had a bit of a change of heart and I wanted to do something a bit more fast-paced, a bit more meaningful is not the right word, but it's a it's it's kind of what I'm getting at. I wanted to do something more interesting, um, and I thought that maybe the news was probably a good place to start um, looking for something a bit different when it came to production. And uh, after applying to a few different places. I was accepted as a freelance editor at Fox News Channel, and so I. Now, where is Fox? Ex- is Fox in? I assume they've got a DC office because of just politics and everything. Is that right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's right next to the Capitol. And you're working uh, in that office then. Yeah, exactly. I was the editor in that office. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was a great time. I love Fox, and I hope to continue working there. Um, so typically for projects like that, what, what were, you, were you doing daily assignments, or uh, were, were mm-hmm. they send you out to do a long a long report? Or like, what were we doing? So as an editor, uh, I was mainly working in the office um, day-to-day doing edits. Like, a story edit would take about, you know, six hours, Um so you have pretty much the whole day to, to do a story. But if you're doing just pieces, like little bits and pieces of, of little things that people were shooting throughout the day, that would only take a few minutes per piece, and you would have probably 30 of them to do throughout the day. So high, uh, high stress environment, high pace, but it sounds like, I mean, just from your tone of voice, it sounds like it was really um, engaging. Totally, it sounds like it was more engaging than um, your last two other big assignments on television. Right, so Fox News Channel was the first time where I really actually got to put my work on TV. And it was definitely the most rewarding place I've worked at so far. But at the same time, kind of uh, a different work environment because when I told people where I worked, there was a very... There's a very um, thin line in the sand as to the the reactions I got when I told people that I worked at Fox News. It was very, there was two extremes. Well, I mean, you could just said you worked at Fox. I mean, you could have, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you could just cut the news out. You know, they could assume, yeah. maybe they, they, you know, so. 
Um, a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. And no. so that's that's a great. But it was an opportunity. But it was an opportunity for you. So I mean, yeah, you should, you should, you, no one should judge someone for, for taking an opportunity for you to to learn and take a job. So, so. Yeah, and I, that, I, I, but I also appreciate the fact that that somebody has a has a you know a specific mindset that they they don't like a place because of their beliefs, and that's okay because at some point in time, I might want to do a documentary about something like that. So I I, I can appreciate why somebody might not like this or that, um, you know, whatever it mean might be, whether it's a news channel or a person, I can, I can respect that. Absolutely. I mean, we are defined by what changes us in life. You know, if we were all the same, we'd, it'd be a very boring life. And this uh, podcast slash radio show would be awfully boring. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your diversity um, makes it very interesting. So at go. this point, you, are you currently still working at Fox Fox News, or, or are you doing a little I, bit of? I am a freelancer at Fox News, but I have been taking some time to focus on other places that I can, t- you know, lend a helping hand at, like nonprofits around DC, um, and also I just started working as a PR specialist at a dental office at Surrounding Dental. Um, not to be a shameless plug, but... Um, it's okay. That's what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> I am the PR marketing specialist now, so I technically am just, you know, uh, killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> well, if they have a dental specials, you know, you just let <laughs> us know. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that would like to go <laughs> see the dentist. So. Right. Um, so the reason I started working for them is because I had the special opportunity to document some of their dental surgeries, and she liked my work to the point where she said that she wanted me around more often, um, but she didn't need me filming every day. Um, But I'm there to advise them on their social media interactions. I'm there to advise them on marketing strategies, and I'm also... I take their pictures and everything, I mean, not just theirs, but their patients and their teeth. And I do media for them. And I also basically just handle the patient's uh, problems. I'm, I'm a glorified problem solver. Hey, you know, I, I think it's a great position that you're in. You have an opportunity to work in a, in a great field. I mean, working in a dental office, you know, there's rarely um, anyone that's really unhappy. You get to do some really cool videos because they're you know dental dental surgery has some really cool. I mean, it's you have to like uh, dental problems, but you know dental surgery is really cool. There's a lot of cool things that you know braces and all kinds of stuff. So it it sounds like it's a it's a fun thing that um, you could really grow on. So yeah, I'm very excited to work there, and I I'm ex- very excited for. You know the things that I learn that I didn't expect to learn, um, and I hopefully can make a big announcement coming up soon about some photography that I did for them. Um, but it's not it's not official yet, so I probably should keep my mouth shut. Well, you know we'd love to have you back on if there's uh, something you want to talk about about that. So of course, of course, I would love to come on anytime, especially when I have something cool to, to share. Well, 
you're always welcome on the show. So, um, any final thoughts for anyone who is like just trying to figure out how to be a videographer and wants to get a job at Fox News or Discovery or Natural Geographic? Do you have any last like suggestions for them to really help them? Uh, well, my best my best thought process that I could think of to help somebody get a job that they were passionate about or interested in is imagine what the person that has the job that you want. Imagine what they're doing on a daily basis and try to mimic that while also dreaming about what you would do better if you had their position. And by saying that, um, that should motivate you to try to offer your services um, to the people that might need them because people want to hire someone that's going to further their company, even if they're a multi-million multi-billion dollar company with hundreds of thousands of employees they're looking they're still looking to hire people that will further their company so if you are untapped talent looking to have your talent tapped then try to make sure that you have something to offer the whoever it is that you want to offer your services to. <laughs> that hey. sounds kind of that sounds like kind of mean, like I'm like talking down to whoever it is that's looking up. Um, but I I guess like what I kind of mean is like I I'm never I have never been adequate for any job that I've accepted. Uh, <laughs> when I when I accepted the job at Universal Studios, I was not fit. I did not know what I was doing. When I wor started working at Discovery Channel, I did not know anything about Avid. I didn't know how to work it, but I told them I did. And I just figured it out. At Nat Geo, I didn't know how to work what they were doing. I just figured it out. Um, so it was just like... But that that goes back to just believing in yourself. And, exactly. Yeah. And, de and dedicating yourself to learning on the job. And if you're going to put your foot in your mouth like that, prove it that you're going to do the hard work you're going to to actually show them that you can do the work. So it, it clearly, mm -hmm. it worked for you that yes, you mm -hmm. put your foot in your mouth, but you actually showed them and you impressed them. So yeah. And also this might sound negative, but sometimes you have to work for people that you wouldn't want to work for in order to add it to your resume and show who you do want to work for that you can work for other people. Um, and that's almost a good comparison would be if you have a crush on somebody and you want them to like you back, but they don't, a lot of people would go and make someone else jealous by, you know, getting someone else to like them. And that's relatively what I'm talking about in that I don't, I never wanted to work for Discovery or Nat Geo or PBS or Fox News, but the places that I do want to work for require more experience and skill set than what I have. And 
in order to kind of gain the experience and skill set of having five years in production and five years of editing and five years of this and five years of that is by working for other companies that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of when I was, when I got into film, I didn't think, oh man, I want to work for the news someday. That was because I needed a job that was going to be busy all the time, all day. Well, let's put some good karma out there. Do you, uh, do you have a, do you have a bucket list of companies? Maybe there's someone there in PR that's listening to this, just wanted to hear, hear someone's other opinion. Do you have a bucket list? Maybe right. someone here is listening um, that that will will give you a call. Of course. So of course, I, I think it's fair to say that YouTube is one of the companies that I would work for in any in any manner, which is a little bit embarrassing to say, but uh, also VaynerMedia, who I've been trying to work for for a long time, and I made a I made a video and I sent it to Gary and. I'm doing uh, what I think I can with, on my own accord to try to work for VaynerMedia. And uh, at some point in time, I would love to work for MTV because I love making music videos. And that's kind of where I got my start in the the freelance world was making music videos. Um, and then, you know, Google would be an amazing opportunity because it's in D.C. And they are the, 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 the family, a family figure of the Internet. Well, if anyone's out there listening, Taylor is definitely an awesome person. You know, we should definitely hire him. So if, if he's still available, then I would definitely recommend him. And, dude, if you can get one of those four companies, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I, if, if, uh, if it's possible, you know, God, uh, God will work it. It's work his magic. Well, we're coming up on the hour point and, uh, I, I want to hold you. I want to hold you past that. I know I, you gave me more than, uh, than you allotted. So I appreciate that. So Taylor, why don't you, um, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, how they can stay in touch um, tell them all about your company that you that you personally run and uh, and that. Well, if you are looking to get in touch with me, probably the most convenient way to get in touch with me would be Instagram.com slash T-H-E-W-N-K. But if you're interested in what I do and how I do it and you want to see some more, uh, my website is the wnk.com t-h-e-w-n-k.com and just in case some of our friends um have spelling disabilities like myself we're gonna have it in the uh bylines and in the details of the podcast either on youtube or on um itunes so there'll be plenty of opportunities to link to his um talented roster of photos and videos so thank you man no problem thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with us for the last hour and um thank you of course i look forward to speaking to you soon i can't imagine having a better guest than taylor for our first podcast of all the things he's done in his short life 
and opportunities as a videographer. Just it shows that with hard work, you can achieve anything you want in life. The podcast schedule at this point is still going to be erratic, but my goal is to have a weekly podcast. So please subscribe to the channel and stay tuned.